0: Welcome to Sound Mind, Sound Body Stories, a podcast powered by ASICS. I'm Tegan Nash, and this is a show for anyone and everyone on a mission to improve their health physically and mentally. This week, we have two guests, both international cricketers and both are married two cricketers. Both have very successful careers, one as a bowler and the other as a wicketkeeper and batswoman. Yep, Mitch Stark and Alyssa Healy are Australia's premier cricketing couple and I had the pleasure of talking to them together. We spoke about their sound mind, sound body stories and how they cope with keeping their personal lives and professional lives separate as well as their obsession with golf. Here's my chat with Mitch Stark and Alyssa Healy. Mission and Alyssa, thank you so much for joining me today. So great to have you guys on. Thanks for having Thanks us. Having us. <laughs> so let's go back years and years and years and years and years. You guys have known each other since you were nine years old. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's been a long time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> how how did you meet? How did that? How did that work?
1: I guess we bumped into one another, obviously when we were nine or going on ten. I guess we rocked up to Cheltenham Oval for. Uh, Foster Shield or something it was in representative cricket trials for Northern districts, Elisa being the only girl there and and turned out we were both fighting for the wicketkeeping spot. So in the end, we both shared it for the season. So I started out as a wicketkeeper and we, uh, we both, both took the wicketkeeping role, what was it 60 overs or something back then and took half and half. And I guess originally it was one of the other boys, dad's was the coach. And then a few years down the track, my dad took over elisa was still playing and then i think in elisa's last year of, of playing with the boys her dad um took over the coaching and then elisa went off to to girls cricket and, and new south wales breakers cricket and, and her dad kept coaching so she she'd pop in for the odd appearance when we were to play player and, and show all the boys up so yeah we, i guess it started in <laughs> cricket and, and then i guess we kept bumping into one another at, at, at new south wales cricket and
2: it's funny because everyone says do you like, do you remember when you first met? And I was like, oh, like I remember Mitch, but I was the only girl on the side. So it's more he can remember me in the team, but I don't necessarily remember him in the team yeah. because there was, you know, 11 other boys there. So it's a funny one, but.
0: Yeah, that's so A little blonde girl
2: running around Cheltenham Mobile. Everyone seems to remember.
0: Oh, for sure. And how was that being the only girl in the team?
2: It was fine. Um, I'm still to this day at 31 years of age, a massive tomboy. So for me, it was no different. I didn't think I was any different to to the boys and all I wanted to do was just go out there and play cricket. So I don't think necessarily they treated me any differently either. We were so young that it just didn't really matter um, at yeah. that age. But yeah, I played with the boys right up till I was 16. So yeah, it was just normal for me. And even though I was the only girl in the competition, it was just normal and they all treated me fine. So it didn't bother me too much. At that age as well, like being nine, 10 years old, you really don't see any difference. It was probably only when I got into my late teens that I sort of noticed a difference that, you know, I wasn't as big and strong as mm. the boys were and they developed a lot more quickly than I did. But at that age, it really didn't matter. And all, all we wanted to do was go out there and have fun and, and play cricket.
0: And Mitch, at nine years old, when you guys first met, did you know that she'd be the one?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think like Elisa said, it's sort of easier to remember the, the only girl there playing amongst the boys than it is for the only girl I'm trying to remember 11 or 12 different blokes that she, she played. Oh junior career so yeah. Uh, yeah I think probably wasn't till uh well at least been playing for, for New South Wales for for a few years and I rocked up as a rookie and we kept bumping back into one another and it sort of developed from there I guess and it's been what now oh, 10 nearly 11 years since then
2: wow yeah did help it did <laughs> help for me that I had a, a slight incident where I have a tend- tendency to be a little lead foot in the car and I I didn't have a license for three months, and I realized how much of a good bloke Mitch was when he was chauffeuring me around for three months. So I kind of, yeah, I thought, okay, I'll give him a crack. <laughs> and that's what did it. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's what did it. Him being a good chauffeur. A really good Uber
2: before Uber came Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> mitch we were chatting to brandon the other week you know he was sort of throwing it out there that you guys were pretty competitive <laughs> at times he also said he was possibly a better cricketer than you but he didn't want to put you out of work so he decided to jump <laughs> yeah well i was a
1: bit of high jumper than too, retaliation
0: I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: taller so I, I definitely found it easy to get over that bar i just thought you know he's a bit bit lighter so i'll give him a crack no um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we both had a crack at, at either um either sport. I, I started giving up high jump when I um started landing on my neck and thought I'd better give this a miss. So he was he was better <laughs> suited for it and, and um I think he had enough of cricket early days and, and decided to give little athletics more of a crack and, and obviously progressed into being Olympian. So um yeah, I think we both made the, the right decisions
0: there. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and Elisa, both you and, and Mitch, you guys have eleven years each in the international sphere as first class cricketers. Am I right?
2: Yeah, something silly like that. It's, it's been a long time. A long time now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, to get to that level of excellence that you both have achieved, you obviously need you know a fair bit of aptitude, but also a lot of support and mentorship.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think I think we'd both happily admit we're not we're not the best trainers going around. It's not something that we enjoy doing, but I yourself. think we, <laughs> I've seen you <laughs> train. Um, but in saying that, I think you've got to have some sort of drive to to be able to compete at the top level for for over 10 years. And I think we're just two really competitive people that really enjoy, you know, stepping over that white line and and going out there and competing for for Australia, for New South Wales, you know, whatever the side might be. So, yeah, I think mm-hmm. mentally cricket is a, is a really tough sport and people see obviously the physical yeah. side of the game and standing out on a hot field for, for a day or five days if you're playing a test match, but mentally it's it's a really tough sport. So being able to to switch on and off is is really important and I think that's something that with age and with maturity you sort of learn to be able to do and learn how to be able to get the best out of yourself at the right time.
0: Yeah. How do you think that you both have matured uh, are there things that you do to help with your mental mental health? Um,
2: I think for me personally, I, I feel like I've matured probably off the field a little bit and, and probably just learn a bit more about myself away from the game and, and probably become more comfortable with myself both on and off the field. And I think that mm. helps you to be able to perform on the field and and knowing who I am as a cricketer and what I can do and you know, what I can't do as well so that I'm not trying what I can't do all the time and and being frustrated with that. So I've found that over the years and it's taken a lot of time um, to get comfortable, you know, with with Elisa Healy on the field, but I'm here now and I'm enjoying it. And it sounds really funny, but I feel like in the sporting world, you end up, especially cricket, you people seem to retire, especially in the female game when they turn 30, 31 and sort of move on with their lives and do something Mm. else. But I feel like I've only really hit my stride turning 28 29 so you're sort of missing you know your best years as a cricketer so it's kind of nice to be in that time now where I've just go out there and enjoy myself and I feel like I know enough about my game that I can just go out there and show everyone what I can do
0: yeah amazing and what about you Mitch
1: yeah I guess pretty similar with slightly different roles in the team so for me it was was probably the longer I I was in the system or the, the more experienced I got and started to understand the different roles that I played in the different formats and different teams that I I was in, and once I started to, to understand those roles a bit more, then to develop around those roles and and to be a bit more comfortable in, in where I sat in in all those teams as well. So I guess going through a few few injuries and that sort of thing, you understand start to understand what you need to do for your body and for your mind. And and I mean, we we both been around long enough now to to understand that we need things to to switch off from the game and, and keep our minds and our bodies ready to go for cricket when we are back on tour or back in the, in a tournament. So I guess it's a a bit of everything there in understanding all of that around our cricket to to enhance our cricket and to also stay pretty happy off the field. So, I mean, Elisa Lisa said, it, we're both extremely competitive people, whether it be at, at cricket or <laughs> amongst one another away from cricket. So I think that side of us is always going to be there, especially in our, our professional careers. So that's one thing we don't have to... To uh work on I guess it's about yeah. keeping keeping ourselves fresh and, and ready to go, especially as we start to get a bit older and a bit more experienced is keeping our bodies ready to go and and finding those avenues to to switch off and give ourselves a bit of a refresher when when we can away from cricket.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what are some things that you do to switch off? Like, do you have any other hobbies or activities that you like doing?
1: We play way too much golf, so for us, that's a, that's a bit <laughs> of an escape. It's something that we both enjoy, which is great to have together. And we're probably as competitive, or slightly more competitive, at, at golf as <laughs> With we each are. other. Frigate, you know? <laughs> uh, there's a trophy behind me somewhere that we play for uh, for golf. So, yeah. <laughs> but no, that's
0: this. Is it the Steely yeah, Cup? That's the one. Is that right? It's world <laughs> renowned now. How Everybody did that, knows. how did that, yeah,
1: how did that come about? How did that come about? That came about over a couple, yeah. couple of beers down at Long Reef after a game of golf. <laughs> and we thought we'd been watching a lot of golf on the TV and, and obviously play pay for the, you know, the, the season long cup of and we thought we'd come up with something rather than you won today or, or I won yesterday. We'd come up with a, a bit of a point system and jumped on <laughs> online and, and found a little a, a trophy or, or a it looks like a bit like a the claret jug and, and came up with a point system and play for that each calendar year. So Elise is a bit bit better golfer than I am, but I've managed to snag a few wins here and there. And
0: who's got that who who currently has the cup?
1: <laughs> Elise currently got it.
0: Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I've just taken the lead this season, so hopefully I can hang on to that one. But it's a nice escape. I certainly feel like it's an escape from cricket for me and for us. You know, you have four or four and a half hours on the course away from, from your phone, away from cricket, and, and and then back to get ready for cricket. So it's, it's for us, it's something we, we enjoy together, and we, we certainly do a lot of it. So it's, uh, it's a nice one.
0: And, you know, how important uh, for both of you is the support and how much is attributed to your success to date? Uh, let's go with Alyssa first.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's huge and it's sort of, it was interesting before when, when you were asking about, you know, competing and how are you going to switch off? But I, I actually really think that we're quite lucky to have one another. It, it's, it sounds funny. Everybody says, oh, mm-hmm. you tour sort of nine, 10 months of the year. How do you do it? You spend a lot of time apart. But I guess we've been really lucky to have each other who are going through the same sort of stuff together at the same time to, to have one another's perspective ride the highs and lows of one another's experiences but at the same time I think we're really lucky to be going through the similar sorts of things at the same time so that we know what one another's going through and we can support one another through whether that's a really exciting moment or whether it's you know an injury Mm. or something really disappointing so support is important especially when you're on tour for a lot of the year and and you're touring to some strange parts of the world I think having that support network is really important and and hopefully Mitch will say that I'm pretty good at that but I'm really lucky to have someone like Mitch who at the drop of a hat would, would travel to the other side of the world if if I needed to or, or give up a game here or there. So I think we're hopefully we're we're quite good at giving that support to one another.
0: That's so beautiful. And Mitch, what about you? You know, you come from such a supportive, close family. How important is that?
1: Lisa's taken all that, all the good stuff now, haven't you? No, it, <laughs> it is to to echo what Elisa said there. It's it's nice to have understanding but also we sort of see that as well and when we both have time away from cricket we we could be doing other things but we're fine to or getting into other games to watch each other play and that sort of thing and you know elisa was at our world cup in australia which is really special to have all the families and 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 for me to have elisa there as well and then likewise to be there for, for her world cup last year was was really special for obviously for the girls, but to be able as a spectator, sit back and watch that spectacle was, and how, how much it meant to the girls was really special to see from, I guess, from the men's side of cricket and, and to see how how special that, that tournament in Australia was for their team. Spurs, certainly for me, sitting back and watching it, those feelings or those emotions, again, of, of what cricket means to all of us. So, no, I guess personally, you know, throw Brandon in there, who's. On a completely different side of things, where he's an individual sport. I mean, we're very, mm-hmm. very, very lucky to be in cricket. I mean, in Australia, we've got all the perks, if you like, and, and certainly individual sports don't always have those. And and he's, you know, he's he's gone through some setbacks or some some tough stuff getting around in his early years, and now he's a, he's, you know, he's a Commonwealth Games gold medalist. He's he's a going to his second Olympics. You know, he he doesn't quite, I guess or individual athletes don't always get the recognition that the team team sports do. So to see how he's experienced that that journey as well, lets us, well, certainly for me, a reminder of how lucky we are to be, you know, in playing cricket for Australia as well. So, I mean, having all those support networks, having a wife that I can talk to about golf when I've had a bad day at cricket or something like that, it's, it's uh, it all keeps <laughs> us going and she might have an even round and, and I want to go and play golf. So it's uh yeah it's a, it's a good good network to have for for us as well
2: we've both been super lucky with family getting us into to sport as well I mean like I look at my family I've only got a really small family but my parents still you know gave up their weekends to to drive me around because I played every sport under the sun to drop me at three or four different things on on a weekend but look at Mitch's side and he he's got a huge family but the sacrifices that they made to to ensure that we were playing sport, we were getting outside and we could go and have a crack at whatever we wanted to do. I mean, even our dads were coaching our cricket team at some point. So having those supportive people is really important and they're going to push you into the sport and they're not going to, they weren't overbearing one bit. They just allowed us to go out there play the sport. And ultimately, I think that's why we're still in the game is because they never pushed us to do it, but they supported our, our every move and every every decision that we wanted to make. And they would backed us and that's why we're still playing. They weren't too overbearing, and we were we are pretty lucky to have, you know, supportive parents like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's so important because, you know, I see people, and yes, they might love doing something, but then, you know, when especially when I was younger, but their parents would just be so overpowering, mm-hmm. and it would almost be kind of a setback because. You know, you love doing something, but then when you have that pressure from other people, like you have to perform, you have to do well, it almost turns you off what you want to do. And Alyssa, what's Mitchell like under stress? I know you guys play golf, uh, but are there sort of any moments or how does he cope? Careful, he feels
1: like a return fire.
0: Um,
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Thanks for picking me first. Um, (laughs) uh, Honestly, he's... He doesn't let it show too much, which I think, you know, is, is a pretty impressive trait to have. I mean, you can see it because he's salt and pepper at 31 with his, with his grey locks, but <laughs> I think he's, he's pretty good under pressure. He, we both have a little tantrum every now and the golf, on the golf course, but I don't think you see it too much on the cricket field. You know, in my opinion, fast bowling is, if not the, the hardest or one of the hardest skills in, in cricket, apart from keeping, mm-hmm. it's tough. But fast bowling is is hard work. And, I mean, Mitch puts it this way. As a batter, you you get out for a duck, you go sit down for the, for the rest of the day and you're disappointed and whatnot. But you don't have to go back out there and, and put yourself under that pressure again. Fast bowling, you bowl a bad over a bad spell, you've got to keep going, keep running in and, and keep trying it again and again. So it's an incredibly tough sport or skill to have or you know, to do. So for mine, I think Mitch handles it incredibly well. He's he's fairly well scrutinised in the media as well about, you know, his role on the side and um, in my eyes he handles that mm. incredibly well and he just backs his ability and backs the role that he plays within the side and just goes out there and, and does his job. So I think he, he's pretty, pretty good under stress and, yeah, hopefully everyone will appreciate that eventually.
0: Mitch, how do you deal with, uh, you know, comments in the media?
1: <laughs> I don't read it anymore. I used to read yeah. everything or hear everything or see everything mm. i used to sort of use it as motivation or as a stick it up here sort of thing and and um i mean a few years ago i was it was quite well documented anyway um yeah i, I got to a point where I, there was so much more outside noise um i didn't see any positives in it mm. so i I'd st- stopped you know got off twitter and and, and stopped reading things and stopped listening to things and and I didn't suddenly forget how to bowl i just had a bit of a a, a brain fart or a, bl- a brain block and just had to go back to what i've been doing for by then about seven eight nine years so yeah i think it's been for me quite refreshing not to to have all of that around anymore i guess you still still hear things everyone likes to mm. to read things and talk about it but um yeah I, I guess i don't don't need that anymore and and i've got that that network of of family, of of close mates, of the team, that I don't need all the outside noise to with it to be a, a positive or a negative, and, and I've I've got enough close people around me to to focus on that.
0: Yeah, completely. And Mitch, how does Elisa uh, cope with stress? Um,
1: very different on a cricket field to on a golf course. I think I don't think she she shows any. Being under stress or anything on a cricket field, I mean, you know, she she's definitely gets disappointed when she gets out. But I think being the wicketkeeper and and having spent enough time around Elisa and her her team, she's sort of like the the leveler of the team. And and if she's up and about behind the stumps, the the team is as well. So I think she feels like she's the barometer in the team sometimes, and and she has to bring the energy. And and I think it's everything you see on TV where it's a bit bit cheeky chirp or or um you know movement around the field that's it's sort of what she brings to the team alongside of her batting as well and her, her her cricketing skills so i mean she handles that incredibly well and i know there's times where she gets frustrated or at times disappointed too things aren't going her way. but i think she's been outstanding for longer than i have playing um to to keep that anything um anything negative keeping it under wraps and, and certainly lets it out my golf course. So. Um, <laughs> I mean, if I beat her at golf, she needs you know, a good fifteen minutes and a beer to to settle down before I can uh, <laughs> have a word. So no, but in terms of cricket and and her professions, um, top level the whole time. And if things aren't going well, she's putting in the time away from from it, which I, I think prime example was was around the World Cup stuff. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have had the the series she would have liked prior to the World Cup, and she she was hitting balls after games and and having net sessions trying to work it out and and and. I think the result of that was was what you saw in the World Cup, and then to in front of eighty six thousand, eighty seven thousand people at the MCG to absolutely absolutely tear at a new one um, was just a, a product of a hard work, and and I think she just enjoyed that challenge of it as well.
0: So for like big matches, you know, I everyone obviously knows that physically you need to be fit and ready, but how do you get in the right frame of mind?
2: <laughs> oh, look, I think it's just. It's just being confident, and I know that that's a that's a hard thing to to achieve. But for me, that confidence is brought mm-hmm. about by knowing that I've done everything possible to walk out there and perform. So it's not about hitting a thousand a thousand balls in the nets. It's like getting myself prepared, whether it be technically, mentally, physically, to know that as soon as I step out on the field, I can perform. And in a game like cricket, you're not going to come off every day. But if I've ticked all the boxes and know that as soon as I step out on the field, I'm ready to play. And if I get an absolute rip snort of first ball and get out, so be it. I was still prepared for that event, that competition, um, that game, then so be it. You know, if I feel underprepared going into in particular, a really big game, then I'm a little bit stressed walking out to, to battle, walking out to weird keep, because I know that I'm almost playing catch up when I get out there and I'm trying to learn on the go, but that's as simple for me. and And that, preparation gives me the confidence to go out there and, and do it and and knowing that I've done all the homework I need to or, or the skill work that I can just go out there and perform. Yeah, confidence is key. It's a big one and and some people really have that confidence already. But for me it's I need to get that confidence by by going out there and preparing properly.
0: What makes you confident versus what makes you underprepared? Ooh. It's yeah <laughs> it's
2: it's a bit of a mental battle for me, I think. Sometimes I'm not underprepared, but I feel underprepared if the training session hasn't quite gone to plan. I haven't hit as many out of the middle as what I'd like, or I haven't gloved as many as what I would I would have hoped as well. That makes me feel underprepared. But more often than not, you're not underprepared. You've just you know had a one-off bad session, but you just need to go out and and get it done. So mm-hmm. for me, often if I feel like that, I'll come a little bit early to the game and and just hit you know those six extra balls or glove those six extra. Next, just to make myself feel a little bit better yeah I don't know I think it's uh, I think it's all up top and making sure that you can work out the difference between whether you're feeling underprepared or whether you are actually feeling confident and ready to go then if you work that out then
0: you're one step ahead and Mitch you spoke about the camaraderie of you know being in a team how important is the team for you
1: it, it plays a huge part certainly in, in uh, I guess it almost it, it comes down to, to different groups at certain times you've got your batters I mean, we play a unique sport where it's it, it's a team sport, but it's very individual. So at times, you just got the two batters out there against another team, and 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 then when we're we're bowling or fielding, you've you've got the whole team out there. So we're sort of a little group amongst the team in terms of the bowlers, and and I guess we know what we've we all go through, and and we spend enough time around each other that we can uh, we know there's sort of things to look out, the cues or the the routine sort of thing that we go through. So I think the fact that we're we're such a close group of mates, helps us on the field as well. We're all different bowlers, but we all sort of know what one another's going through and and what to look for as well. So that's a huge part of what we do. And I think that that certainly helps the the four or five of us, whether it's a a little chat at the top of your mark or, um, you know, Josh coming over to me at at mid-off to to say maybe try this or try that field. So not to say that the the rest of the team don't play roles like that as well while we're out there, but it's certainly easier to when things aren't going well to to cop a cop a bit of a talk from from one of the other bowlers is a bit easier. So, and and then I think we we spend so much time off the field as well as a group, whether it be with the physio or around the team room chatting about cricket or or golf or anything else that, um, yeah, I think that certainly helps us as a group to perform at our best for the bigger group and and the team. It's, It's a good one to have for us and, and to, or, you know pick up the phone and have a chat as well, which is great,
0: yeah, and Alicia, you were talking about you know when you were younger and first starting off, you were the only girl in the team uh, you know cricket has obviously grown rapidly for women. Where do you see the future of cricket for women, or where would you like it to go uh, it's a It's an interesting question to answer because I'm not
2: too sure because you look at the men's game, mm-hmm. it's still growing, it's still adapting um, to modern day as well so I'm not too sure but without wearing my feminism hat too much I, I would love to see it to get as equal as it, as what it could possibly be I mean we're really lucky here in Australia that we're really well supported by Cricket Australia our, our players association also do a really great job in ensuring that that there is equality in in all the areas that that there can possibly be whether it be conditions or as Mitch called them perks um, of the job so we're really lucky that we're we're well supported but you know, I, I would really love to see that, that eighty-six 86,000 people last year at the MCG wasn't a one-off. I never thought that I would get to experience it in my career. What's
0: the energy like oh, when you're out on the field and there's that many people?
2: <laughs> it's pretty cool. I mean, not saying that the boys get 86,000 people a lot, but they get big crowds a lot and they're sort of used to that. Yeah. Whereas we were not used to that, but we embraced every single moment of that day and every single bit of energy that everyone threw at us from the sidelines we embraced all of that and it was a pretty special feeling it was cool and and I'd love to see that not be a one-off I'd love to see it happen again it might not happen for me in my career but I'd love to see it the game just keep evolving as we see more and more females become fully professional and and well-paid athletes in this country we're going to see them grow we're going to see them develop as athletes and I think that's really exciting I know I've seen myself develop a, as an athlete over the last five years in particular so I'm excited to see what the next crop of, of players can do for the game and, and to just keep pushing it forward and just to keep encouraging more girls to not play cricket in particular but just get into sport and and stay in sport I think that's going to yeah. be a really crucial role that you know, we all play as female athletes.
0: And what do you both tell those young people who might be coming up to you asking how they could get into, into sport or competitive cricket? Start with you, Mitch.
1: Uh, I think, you know, we both got in the, into cricket because we we love the game. We love sport. We, we, we tried every sport as kids or through school and we both certainly did. And And, and we both still love watching all sports today. So for us, cricket started... Because we love playing with our mates or, or love the game. And, and for me, the best part of playing cricket is to win a game and, and sit back with your mates and, and just sing a song. I'd rather win a, a game with my mates rather than, than take a bag full of wickets and lose. So, um, I mean, you know, cricket doesn't have, certainly sport, you don't have to be super successful at a young age. People start late. I mean, I, uh, you know, someone like Mike Hussey didn't start playing for Australia till he was a bit older. And, and, as you said before Teague, it was you know adults that or parents that push their kids to be test cricketers as 10 year olds it doesn't happen at 10 years old mm. you know you you got to learn yeah. the game and enjoy the game and and for us it's it's trying to keep kids in the sport and trying to keep young players in cricket to to push them through the the grassroots when they're ready it's not about being the best cricketer in the, in the world at the 10 years of age it's it's about loving the game and wanting to stay in it so it doesn't have to. You don't have to be a state cricketer at, at fourteen. You don't have to then. You know, if you don't get into the national setup at at twenty years of age, it doesn't mean it's over. It's it's um, there's plenty of ways mm. into the team. So, you know, it, things can change along the way. It's it's about enjoying the journey. And for me, it was to to realise that I wasn't a lead keeper because there are a few other people that are better than me at it, and then uh, try something <laughs> else. So yeah, I, I think for me, it's about you got to enjoy what you do. And for us, it was was. Loving the game of cricket and, and wanting to to keep playing with with our mates and and develop and and learn and and enjoy the journey and you know, I mean we were we were both very lucky that we you know we went on to to a bit bit further and, and got to play for Australia and I think it's that enjoyment factor that keeps us in the game and and that that uh, you know running out with certainly for for both of us some of our our close mates it, it's a it's a great enjoyment factor there as well.
2: well what about you? Oh yeah, I think you're just telling any young kid, look, look how we did it. I mean, everybody within our side is has got to play for Australia through many different avenues. Like Mitch said, some developed a little later, some were absolute guns at, at a young age. But the key message that I like to get across, especially to young kids nowadays, is if you want to play professional sport, it's a job. And most people out there really don't like their jobs so for you if you're mm-hmm. if you want this to be your job you've got to find a way to enjoy it and you've got to find a way to to make sure you enjoy it and and that's something that I think we're both good, we're both pretty good at I know that I could say personally I, I'm quite good at doing that I've still got that enjoyment for cricket I don't see it as a job I see it as a hobby that I go out there travel the world and, and play cricket which is a pretty cool job to have so like Mitch said you you if you're 10, 11, 12 years of age and you're already thinking that cricket is your thing and you're going to play for Australia till you're 35, it's already become a job, and and that's not what it's about. That sport at that mm-hmm. age is enjoying it, making new friends, learning skills for life, learning how to compete. I think they're the most important things at, at that age, and I think that's something that as female athletes in the country we're we're still we've still got that feeling because professional sport hasn't always been there for us, and it's only relatively new, so. It's still something that we love to do, whereas you see so many professional sports on the TV nowadays that it's a job. So Mm. that's my key advice for that young kids is to just go out there, try everything, try find something that you love, that you love, not that your parents love, that you love to do and and go out there (laughs) and enjoy it and make some new friends along the way, because ultimately they're friends for life. And I've still got great groups of friends from all the different sports that I've played growing up. And I'm really grateful that they give me perspective, you know, when I'm whinging about a really bad meal that I've had in India. My friends are at home giving (laughs) me perspective about their real world problems, not my five-star hotel problems. So (laughs) I'm really lucky. So the young kids out there, just go and enjoy it, try everything and just get outside and, and run around because it's the best place to be.
0: Yeah. And let's talk about sound mind, sound body. What does that philosophy look like for you? What does it mean for you guys and how does it work into your lives? I probably touched sorry, Mitch.
2: I probably touched on it a little bit earlier that cricket is obviously a really physically demanding sport, but it's actually a mentally draining sport, probably more so. And I think having, for me personally, having a sound mind, um, as we say, is is crucial for me to perform. and And having a sound mind for me means being able to switch off and being able to uh enjoy what I'm doing and make sure that I'm mentally fresh to to switch back on and perform at my best. So for me that might be going to play golf. We've brought up golf more than cricket in this chat, but going to play golf or going to walk out our two puppy dogs <laughs> or when I'm at home, you know, catching up with friends and, and going for a coffee. So for me that's it's really important for me to recharge and and reset and get my mind right to to rock up to 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 cricket the next day and and know that I'm mentally ready to go. That,
0: that's the way I see it. Mitch, what about you? Yeah,
1: I'm probably gonna you know sound the same as as Alicia. It Probably happens because we work we live in the same place. But yeah, I, I think <laughs> we drink the it, same water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sound sound mind, sound body. It's it's about having that holistic view on you know having a really balanced life for us in cricket and then away from cricket. So. You know, as Elisa said, it's either finding avenues to to switch off and refresh your mind, you know, or finding these these periods where we've got time off to to spend. For me, to spend some time in the gym to get my body right for cricket. I think the biggest mm-hmm. challenge is finding those avenues to to switch off or refresh while we're on tour. At times, it's quite easy at home. We can just go down the golf course or, or walk the dogs or you know spend a couple of hours in the, the the yard doing something. It's those times that we're both on tour that we need to find. Those avenues to to keep our minds refreshed and and ready to go for cricket. That that's probably the the challenge for us. And whether it's being stuck in hotels and finding finding ways to just to have a few hours to switch off away from from everything else, whether it's watching a you know a Netflix Netflix series or, or jumping on the PlayStation and, and playing a few games, whether it's cricket or, or sport or, or work life, having that really balanced life choices and, and is going to keep keep us ready to go for for when we need to be switched on for cricket or for a big game and for everyone else, whether it's, it's you know, having that time off to to be ready to go for work the next day or, or for something else. So it's, um, I guess that's how I, I look at it.
0: Yeah. I think work-life balance, you know, it's so important. The best way I put it is
2: you've got to find something that's good for the soul and whether that's, I always find going mm-hmm. down to the beach and going for a swim. Sometimes I feel oh it's too hard basket. I've got to get changed up. I've got to go do something else, but, Going for a swim down there is so good for the soul. You just feel better for it and come back home and you're ready to get stuck into whatever you need to do. So it might not be swimming for everybody, but you find a little activity that is good for the soul, gets you recharged to then go and do the rest of the chores that you need to do for the day.
0: Totally. And you might not know, or maybe you guys do, I want to know what's next for you <laughs> when you're packing up the stumps, it's not playing professionally anymore. Where do you see yourself? A
2: dreaded R word that as soon as you turn 30, everybody <laughs> wants to know when are you <laughs> retiring? have been asked a lot in the last few weeks, haven't we? I know. It, it's often a scary question for for athletes when you're when you're asking them. And I know it was a scary yeah. question for me for a long period of time is what's next? What are you gonna do? And I've yeah. always had an answer for it. I've always said, This is what I'm gonna do, this is you know, this is how I'm gonna do it. But at the minute I'm thoroughly enjoying cricket and our role that we're playing within cricket to grow the game, that whatever comes next, I uh, it's really exciting to me and that unknown is is quite exciting cricket's all i've done pretty much since I, I was still at school so the opportunity to go out there and do something else is is really exciting to me and it's probably keeping me in in cricket which sounds a little contradictory but it's keeping me going and keeping me enthused about my sport which is which is really cool but i i, I wouldn't imagine too many grand things for us we we love being at home we're quite we're big homebodies um, we love spending time at home mm-hmm. with families with the dogs and Doing some really fun things, so you'll have to watch this space.'m not too sure.
0: did I read somewhere that you wanted to potentially get into sports comment- commentating? <laughs> um I've done a little bit yeah i've
2: I've done a little bit of media throughout um, especially the last couple of years of of cricket. I've done a bit of commentary, and I've thoroughly enjoyed that to be fair. We love watching sport in this household. I love watching cricket. I get in trouble when I put it on the telly because he doesn't want to watch it, but I love watching the game, so for me. <laughs> sitting there talking about the game is something really, really comfortable for me. So look, if, if that opportunity continues to arise, I'll, I'll give it a real hot crack and, and see if I enjoy it. But ultimately, you know, if I don't enjoy it, then so be it. But yeah, I have enjoyed the, the bits and pieces that I've done in the past. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see.
0: Do you guys talk cricket at home at all? <laughs> or is it more like you leave work at work and then your home is like your home?
2: I feel like the way that the to best describe that is if we ask for advice, we'll give it, but we feel like we've got enough people surrounding us within our team environments that they can give us all the advice in the world that we don't need it from one another. And I, to be fair, I've never pulled left arm fast before, so I can't really give too much advice
1: on what to do. And we talk a lot more golf than we do cricket. It's, there's a lot of around <laughs> no. golf in this So I mean, we both spent two hours. I know. At the maybe range a professional
0: like- golf career after this. No, I no. always said I was, I'm happy to <laughs> carry Lisa's enough.
1: bag. I'll, I'll be caddy, but. Um, uh, that's a, more than a long shot for me. alicia has got more chance than I do. So I always put my hand up first to carry carry the bag and be catty. No way.
0: Well, Mitch and Alyssa, <laughs> thank you so much for chatting with us, opening up and sharing your stories. Thank
2: you. thank you.
0: The Steely Cup is a stroke of genius. I think they're actually quite a wicked couple with a great sense of humour. Having a relationship with one international sports person would be difficult enough but with both partners being elite athletes and with chaotic schedules i can't even imagine what their calendar looks like that's it for this week i'm tegan nash thanks for listening to sound mind sound body stories remember to subscribe and please rate us and review wherever you get your podcasts from coming up next week andrew Reed is no ordinary lifeguard He is a Bondi rescue lifeguard and his sound mind, sound body story is no ordinary story. And
1: if I look back on everything that's happened in my past that's led me to somewhere really good, it was something really bad.
0: From his days as a troubled teenager dealing with bullying and falling in with the wrong crowd, to his discovery of sport and working as a garbo in Sydney's eastern suburbs. Working as a lifeguard exposed him to heartbreaking experiences. I saw a
1: guy put his hand up and then you know take his last breath and I couldn't get to him in time like Mm. it was horrendous
0: but Reedy's resilience has meant that he takes the positive from every experience but I've also bought back you know 10 15 people you know back from the dead join me Tegan Nash for Sound Mind Sound Body Stories with Andrew Reid
2: oh I just love my life it's awesome